Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Kraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Live Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another week, another Monday evening, where we have the opportunity to reflect into this great call that we have to witness to our faith. It is great to be back. I know I've been away for the last week and a half. I'm most excited for our program tonight because I do have a special guest coming to us from uh, central Pennsylvania in the friendly confines of Crescent, Pennsylvania, Bob Sutton, who is a uh, Catholic high school teacher and uh, a graduate of Franciscan University of Steubenville, my alum. We got to be quite close there in Ohio. So, Bob, it is great to have you with me. Great to be here, Joe. Thank you. Bob, I've asked you to join me because I know you have been spending some time with the uh, figure St. Joseph. Now, Bob, it was about a month, month and a half ago that we took stock into the vocation of motherhood. We kind of took it from the vantage point of raising little ones, raising teenagers, and then raising children or just being a mother in those post-teenage years. While there was such a positive response, I thought that, uh, well, why not? Why not take this up as it relates to fathers and fatherhood? What does it mean to be a father uh, to little ones? What does it mean to be a father to those who are in their teenage years? What does it mean to be a father in those post-teenage years? Well, we're going to start that next week, and I did think that uh, what a better way to prop those three weeks up with a reflection and a conversation about this wonderful figure uh, of St. Joseph. So, Bob, I know you have spent quite a bit of time with this uh, figure. We have spoken on a number of occasions about St. Joseph. So what, what do we know about St. Joseph, and what can we learn from uh, St. Joseph? Well, uh, the short answer is we, we know a lot more than we think we do. Um, we can divide that into kind of two areas. And just scripturally, almost everything we know about St. Joseph is from Matthew and Luke, from their infancy narratives. We know that Joseph uh, worked as a construction worker, kind of a carpenter plus in the original Greek of those Gospels, in the small town of Nazareth in Israel in the first century, that he was betrothed uh, to the woman Mary, to the Virgin Mary, and obviously that uh, he became aware of her pregnancy and was made known of its divine origin through the message of an angel. And through that, through the acceptance of Mary as his wife and the acceptance of Jesus as his adopted son, he became one of the most significant players in salvation history uh, to that central mystery, that central Christian mystery of the Incarnation. His involvement in that was so profound that he is recognized today as the second highest among all the saints, even greater than the apostles in terms of his involvement in salvation history and his importance to salvation history. Um, outside of that, we're not sure how old he was at the time. Uh, we're not sure when he died. Theologians have speculated on both of those things. We know he was alive when Jesus was lost in the temple at age 12 in Luke chapter 2. Uh, he disappears after that. So he's a man shrouded in silence. He never speaks a single time in the gospel, but he acts and his actions are filled with faith. They are filled with faith in the classical Catholic definition of a response to the Word of God, to the directives of God. And his mystery, uh, the mystery that is entrusted to him through Jesus, through Mary, yes, but also in his own person, 
really profoundly reflect the most basic truths of our Catholic faith. Amen. And one of the things that strikes me, Bob, when you talk about what this figure is shrouded in, it, it is mystery. I mean, the quandary of Joseph makes him the type of the Christian who is used by God you know, to accomplish a secret design that cannot be humanly understood at once. You know, we use this term understood or understand, Bob. I mean, what do we mean to say? We often use the term discernment. I mean, what does the word discernment mean? Now, the word discernment in its Latin root means to come to understand. And so we think that discernment is exclusively this idea where we go into prayer and we come to understand fully the mystery of God. But that is a tenuous and dangerous thing because ultimately to come to understand is that we will never fully understand in light of this man. You know, as he's shrouded in silence in many ways, he's shrouded in mystery. You know, the month of July, Bob, we were, we were in the kingdom of heaven parables. So we spent a great deal of time talking about mystery. And when I talk about mystery, I'm not talking about that secular sense of uh, figuring out a logical puzzle or a suspenseful whodunit, but essentially something deeper. You know, the Greek word for mystery, mysterion, the inexhaustible reality of God. It's interesting. The prefix there, mio, literally means to initiate one into a religious experience. Or we can uh, even better define that, Bob, is to initiate one into a personal encounter with God. And I think this is the key that unlocks the mystery in many ways, because what we see in the figure of St. Joseph is a man who is shrouded in this letting go. I mean, his justice and righteousness, you talked about the Gospel of Matthew, you know, Matthew 119 speaks of him being just and not wanting to expose her. His justice and righteousness are inseparable from that hidden inventiveness whose logic cannot be codified once and for all. And that's part of God's mystery. You know, we see uh, Joseph uh, mulling over these things, mulling over the fact that he's going to be the husband to the mother of God. He's not understanding that. But what is going on? He's in his mulling, Bob. He's plunging himself into the mystery of God that is before him. I mean, there are moments when the mind and spirit of a man become an, an empty stage, we can say, where he must witness the conflict between the thoughts and actions of God and the thoughts and actions of man, even, Bob, the most pious and righteous. And this is St. Joseph. There's that kind of interior tension. There's this kind of interior conflict, but it is in the understanding that there is nothing more that I can do. It is in that kind of almost protective meditation or that conflict that God gives us and sends us his divine illumination. And that's what happens. Because what? Uh, he mulls these things over and behold, the angel of the Lord appears to him. He was a man who was made to be poor that God might fill him up with his wisdom and his insight. And that's, uh, you know, one of the profound things that we can see from Joseph, especially in Matthew's narrative, which makes him really the main actor in the infancy narratives. We see this tension, as you said, between the contemplative side of Joseph, where he is deeply seeking the truth of the Lord, what can be, 
And yet, when he receives the word of the Lord, he becomes a man of pure action. And you see that tension that's always present in the Christian between contemplation of the Lord and response to the Lord, to the word of the Lord. And in Matthew, several times, when Joseph receives the word of the Lord, and not just on, here's what you should call the baby, but take your wife and your child, leave in the middle of the night, move to another country until who knows when, literally until God knows when. And Joseph does as the angel says, immediately. That is only possible through profound sensitivity to the word of the Lord, through profound sensitivity to the truth of faith. Only someone with a deep contemplative state can one reach that level of immediate obedience. As you said, not just obedience, but truly surrender to a mystery, the uh, submission of his intellect to something he recognizes is greater than himself. It is not the action of a simpleton simply carrying out orders, but rather the profound submission of himself to the mystery of what the Lord has revealed. And thus, you see in Matthew, not only does it say Joseph acts, but nearly every time Matthew the evangelist will say, thus the scripture was fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So profound was his sensitivity that he was fulfilling scripture, it seems, whether he decided to turn left or right that day. Mm-hmm. He was so attuned to what the Spirit wanted to do in him. Yeah, you know, and as we talk about this, it makes sense, because is not the whole Christian faith based upon this most beautiful structure of being in God for other, in the gift of Jesus Christ, so as to better understand the task of Jesus Christ, to be in this new identity of our Lord, so as to better understand the new goal of our Lord, to understand, Bob, this perpetual motion of being in conversion, so as to be in mission, being in this contemplation, this deep contemplation, this deep surrender, this deep interior conflict, so as to move according to the will of God. It's striking. I'm looking at this gospel, Bob, Matthew 1, and and if you're to go to verse 24, you know, he rose, he did, he took, he did not know, he called. There's this rapid succession of these five verbs enumerating almost this kind of um, swiftness. Everything Joseph did and did not do following his dream. And you talked about his obedience. I can never pass up the opportunity, Bob, when we bring in this word obedience to appreciate and understand what we are talking about. Obadire, to listen. This was a man who was disposed. This was a man who was made to listen. And out from that obedience, he was a man of action whose every move was attentive to the will of God. He is the man called upon to love, cherish, nurture, and protect the mother and the child while at the same time having to accomplish this kind of profound renunciation of all of those uh, natural human instincts. I mean, he is called upon to love his wife and virginity, to nurture another's child, expecting no personal reward. Uh, what a vocation. Uh, what a calling. I mean, Bob, it's striking when you think about it. The endless need to empty self. The endless need to see his fatherhood and consequently our fatherhood without any expectation. Imagine losing God for three days. If you take the finding of Jesus in the temple we come across another incredible episode where Joseph must have been made to look upon his life and ask so many questions. And in turn, 
he must have just been made to let go. It's so fascinating when you think about it, Bob. Jesus says to Mary, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? And what was Mary's response? She kept these things, pondering them in her heart. She was discerning. She was weighing back and forth, just like Joseph was mulling, weighing back and forth the events that were before them. Ultimately, Bob, the mystery incarnate that was before them. Absolutely, Joe. And that, that moment in the temple when Jesus is 12, that's, that's a great leaping off point to discuss. Not only is he a man of deep contemplation, but what is it he is contemplating? Because, of course, he's contemplating what the Lord is doing and the ways of the Lord and the mysteries being unveiled. But in a certain sense, just as Christ not only reveals God to us, he reveals us to ourselves in the language of Vatican II. Mm-hmm. He reveals what we are called to be. And so Joseph has to reconsider himself in light of these mysteries. As submissive, as contemplative as he has been in his life previous, his life changes. And on a very practical level, you know, I know, when you get married, your life changes profoundly. You have to reconsider yourself as a new man with a new vocation, a new uh, sensitivity to the Lord, to things that perhaps were not in the, in the main before in our pursuit of holiness. That changes again when you have children. And Joseph has to reconsider this mystery all at once, who he is as spouse, who he is as father. And in that account with uh, the finding of the temple, such a revealing verse when Mary says to Jesus, see how worried your father and I have been Mm -hmm. in reference to Joseph searching for you. She says, she who knows better than anyone, that Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus, she doesn't hesitate to, to use the word father. And this is the mystery of Joseph that Catholic theology has really started to explore more in recent centuries, that Joseph had a very real fatherhood in relation to Jesus. And many of the theologians in recent centuries have started to say, maybe we need to shy away from the terms foster father or adoptive father in regard to Joseph, because not so much that they're not accurate, that they don't come to the heart of the mystery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of the ones I read prefer the term virginal father, because he is father to Jesus in every way but biology. And even today we will have stepfathers, adoptive fathers, but there's another father out there. And Joseph doesn't distract from the Heavenly Father. He radiates that fatherhood. This is what God has prepared him for. This is his vocation, to be a father to Jesus in a way that God's own fatherhood shines through him. This is the same man who will be, I mean, imagine teaching the Son of God how to read Scripture, (laughs) teaching him his first prayers. (laughs) Profound. Talk about mystery. Talk about revealing the heart, the mind of God. Unfathomable. And how much Joseph, in his humility, knowing who it was he was instructing, knowing this beautiful gift of the Mother of God, to be praying for her to increase in virtue, to allow her, the new Eve, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be praying for him to grow closer to the Lord. What a profound union that is. And a beautiful, you know, the radiation of fatherhood. And as you and I, you know, I think of that passage from um, John's Last Supper where Philip says to Jesus, uh, I think it's uh, chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, show us the Father, and he says, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Mm -hmm. And in a very real way, that is what Joseph says to us, Mm -hmm. that his mystery is so deeply rooted in God's 
fatherhood, that the more we are drawn into the mystery of who Joseph was and what he was, the more we will encounter the mystery of the Father. And in a real way, it's a macrocosm of what you and I, every man who is a father, is called to be able to say to their children to live their life with action, with contemplation, in the light of who God is and what he says to us, so that we can say to our children, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And that's humbling, it's terrifying, <laughs> yeah. but it's very real, uh, the heart of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. There's that wonderful line from Superman, and I'm drawing from Sucker to Culture here, but Superman looks at his son and he says, it is in becoming a father that I have come to understand what it means to be a son. You know, and, and, and is that not true? I mean, here we have maybe the most salient uh, insight into divine sonship coming from Superman. <laughs> but there's something so true about uh, that truth, right? Yeah. That it is in becoming a father that we can come to understand what it means to be a son. Because when you talk about this radiation, I mean, what are we talking about? Right? We talk about... Our fatherhood, St. Joseph's fatherhood, being radiated through God's own fatherhood, what's going on? Uh, Bobby, talk about, you know, what, it, what does it look like in the home of, of Joseph, Jesus, and Mary? Here's Joseph teaching the carpenter of the universe how to be a carpenter. I mean, it, it's a phenomenal thing to think critically, Bob, about the kind of mutual, reciprocal humility. Jesus receiving this instruction from his father, and for the father to humbly and obediently be teaching, again, the carpenter of the universe, how to be a carpenter, this mutual reciprocal humility. That being said, Bob, what more can be gained from a more critical reflection of sacred scripture as it relates to uh, how St. Joseph's fatherhood radiates through God's own fatherhood? Bob, we have a wonderful insight into the inner life of the Trinity and that great Christological hymn that comes to us from Philippians 2, verses 6 and following, where Paul writes, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he became a slave, slave unto death, death on a cross. That emptying of self, that profound insight that we gain when we look upon the cross and we see Christ's obedience to his Father. And once again, just as we had that kind of mutual surrender between Joseph and Jesus, so we have it here between God the Father and Jesus. (laughs) Can we not see Joseph's fatherhood radiating, radiating in and through God's own fatherhood, where God the Father surrenders his Son to save the world, and his Son surrenders himself to the Father and obediently accepts his cross. Wow. And how ultimately, as fathers, as fathers, we are called to emulate that surrender. As we talk about this call to share in Christ's surrender, I want to pause and really emphasize God's surrender here because I don't think we appreciate this for what it is. You know, Bob, I'm sure you get this question asked a lot. <laughs> I do. You know, it's, it's the question of evil. Well, if God existed, then there would be no evil. No, no. It's because God exists that there is evil. What do I mean? God is love. Love can never be imposed. It must always come freely. 
You and I are both fathers. We're talking about fatherhood. You and I both know that there's nothing more that gets us more excited when our children freely, willingly do something for their brother or sister out of their own goodness. There's nothing more that gives us more joy or even the way in which they might freely, willingly do something for us. There's this kind of joy that just comes spilling out. It can't be contained. Yet, because freedom is a necessary principle of love, we can choose against love, right? We can choose against love. So ultimately, as God is love, he teaches us that love is sacrifice. Remember, Bob, I've made this point on a number of occasions on other radio programs. Sacrifice, secum fice, to make holy. Love equals holiness because love sets us apart. And the icon of this love, the icon of holiness is the cross, the corpus on the cross. Christ's surrender to his father, but also, Bob, the father giving his son for the ransom of the world. This mutual surrender. And for our discussion here this evening, Bob, we are made to see how this husband, how this father shares in this surrender, how he, as you've already spoken to, is filled with this radiation of God's own love, how he only knows to surrender, how he only knows to go deeper into his faith, how he only knows as he looks around him and sees perfection at the dinner table to say, wow, what a vocation I've been given. You know, Bob, there is a striking verse that comes to us from Paul's letter to the Ephesians as Paul is teaching on the Christian household in chapter 5. In verse 25, we read that husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I mean, think about that. Christ laid his life down for the church. And it is St. Joseph par excellence who teaches you and I and every husband out there what it means to lay our lives down for our brides and for our families. Absolutely, Joe. And you know, it's, it's very significant to me that as Josephology, as it's called, it's actually a legitimate branch of theology, has really increased in the last few centuries. You, who you hear talking about Joseph, is not simply people who have always had a pious devotion to him, but Teresa of Avila, you know, one of our deep spiritual masters, spoke of Joseph in the most glowing terms. When you go back, you find that it's the mystics that have something to say about Joseph. And again, as we said at the top, what do we know about Joseph? A lot more than we think we do because those saints discerned in him a reflection of their experience. Teresa of Avila, John, the ones who wrote these great manuals on the spiritual life, recognized that what he was living was that prayer at the highest level, that idea of surrender to something greater, that idea of sacrifice. And Joseph does it in a way, as you said, within the family. His whole idea, you know, as much as we have to recognize that Joseph was not just a cover father, <laughs> so that Mary wouldn't look like an unwed mother, yeah. by the same token... He was not a cover husband. He was legitimately betrothed to her, and I'm sure you could speak to that too, the betrothal. In a sense, they were already married in the first century sense. Without having completed this, the, the betrothal period, in a sense, they were already legally bound to each other. And John Paul II, 
in his apostolic exhortation on Joseph uh, back in 1989, yeah. he wrote this beautiful reflection that he is already in his relationship to Mary. This is how he comes to encounter the mystery of his fatherhood, is first as a spouse, already preparing himself for that full self-giving. And it's recognized that even with the withholding of the sexual act, even with living a chaste marriage, living that purity, it is a living of purity. It's not a sacrifice of purity. It's a living of purity that he and the Blessed Mother give themselves so fully. I mean, imagine, we talk about the Blessed Mother being full of grace and the idea that she increased in grace and merit over her life. How amazing is it that part of her increase in grace, she who never sinned, part of her increase in merit came from Joseph praying for her to increase in grace. Mm -hmm. No other saint can make that claim in regards to Mary. And this is why, you know, Joseph was named, very few people know, I think, the patron saint of the Catholic Church. And again, I find that very significant that the magisterium is pointing us to a deeper reality of who St. Joseph is than just a good and pious man. That surrender you're talking about was so profound. That emptying was so profound. He was so emptied out that God could so exalt him mm -hmm. and so reveal himself so perfectly. He doesn't need the words of Joseph to teach. He simply needs to reveal who he was in these few instances. These few brief glimpses tell us everything about him. And for me, the excitement on a personal level has been in recognizing him praying for me in a fatherly way, and not just through the intercession of another saint, recognizing in him a model, not just in prayer and not just in faith, but also in that self-sacrifice, that idea that I too must rec come to know my children as a father through my spouse and through the mystery uh, deepening of my love for her. And that is also how I father them properly, is in my self-giving and self-sacrifice to her and she to me, as much as on a larger spiritual level, I need to imitate him in knowing Jesus through Mary. These profound truths just ring out, and all of this comes right back to what is true fatherhood, and how should I be living it as a, as a Catholic man? Mm -hmm. I don't know, has that been your experience as well? Yeah, very much so. And it's that prayer that comes to us from the Baptist. May he increase as I decrease. It's always to remember, Bob, that less is more. It is no longer I living, as Paul says, but Christ who lives in me. If we are so consumed about self, then we will never learn the language of selflessness. If we are so consumed with selflessness, we do not understand the language of selfishness. And it starts inside the home. This certainly, Bob, is what St. Joseph teaches us. He teaches us in the end the language of renunciation. Amen. I'm looking up at the clock here, Bob, and uh, we are out of time. Bob, it's great to have you with me this evening. I very much enjoyed your insights on St. Joseph, and I very much think that our listening audience did as well. So I, I look forward to you joining me again. I look forward to that too. Thank you so much, Joe. All right. God bless you, buddy. Let us close in a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. 
heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.